Come on, one more time. Let's give the Lord real praise. Well done, choir. It's great to see you. Let's sing that at the end of my message, shall we? Shall we just decide just to do that one more time? Folks, please take your seats. It's so good to see you today. We are doing a series on virtue. Let me just say to you, aren't you glad that somebody does the things that you can't do or you may be able to do them, but you prefer not to do them? Aren't you glad about that? Isn't it great? that somebody does some of the things that you can't do. I mean, I'm really glad that somebody takes care of the sewers. Aren't you? I'm really glad that somebody does my payroll. I'm really glad that somebody can do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm really glad that somebody has written a program to make sure that the traffic lights all work properly. Aren't you glad? Isn't it great that somebody does the things that you can't do? You know, the Lord spoke to Isaiah and spoke through Isaiah. And he said, these are the ones I look upon with favor. Those with a contrite spirit and those who when they hear my word, they tremble. It's those people who realize that they are really glad that some other things can happen without them. Because sometimes we ask ourselves, why should I be humble? And as you go through life, you are going to realize that there are some things that just need to run in the background. You didn't wake up today and call the city council and say, can you make sure the traffic lights are working, please? Some things just run in the background, but they are vital. They are absolutely vital. So my running shoes, I got them back. My old running shoes, I went for the new. They were too small. And my old faithfuls came back to me. And when I put them on, it was like a pair of slippers. And I was off running again. See, sometimes we've tried to reinvent things so much that we've been forgetting that there are some things that are going to keep us going if we go back to them. Our series on virtue is just that. We're going to talk about humility today. But one of my worries about this series is everybody in the house, you're all going to agree with it. You're all going to say, you know what, I really think that that's right. But there's a deeper level than just a nodding agreement. I almost got this picture in my mind today of, of like pulling you under a sea of grace and letting you drown in this truth so that it really affects your life. And so that you gasp for breath and say, no, I'm not coming up. I'm going under it again because I need this to be part of me. So today, I know that you're going to agree with me. Who's not? Who's going to stand up and say, I don't think any of us should be humble. None of you are going to do that. But I wonder today whether you could take it a deeper level 
and, and not just agree with it, but begin to say, I need a fresh touch of that. I need a fresh look at that. I need to have a fresh journey of that. Can you imagine a world where there's no humility, where nobody was humble? Could you imagine what type of atmosphere that would be where everybody just fought completely for themselves? For some of us, we think, we think to ourselves, well, I, I, that would be terrible, but I'd survive. But I put it to you that rather than it just being nice, I actually think we would not survive without humility. That actually we wouldn't be able to go on. You see, I've been learning about cooking and seasoning, and I've come to cooking late in my life, and it's amazing, isn't it, cooking? Don't you think? I'm quite ashamed of myself. I've been learning about seasonings, and I've been learning of how it changes the flavor of food. I had something called, I don't know what it is, five-spice Chinese food the other day. Five spices. I don't know what the five spices are. It's just on the top of the packet, five spices. And it says, don't use too much of it because it's strong. Well, you know me. I I thought, it can't be that strong. Can I just testify? It is that strong. (laughs) But humility is not a seasoning only. It is. It will change an atmosphere in a relationship, in a church, in in a life. But it's substance. I'm going to explain to you why it's so important because humility, without it, things don't actually work and particularly your relationship with God does not work. Humility is seen the very essence and nature of life in such a way that you start to operate in a way that you've been designed to operate, not in the way that the world might have conformed you to itself. You begin to operate in another way towards God and to others. The reason that life can't work without humility is because humility is the connection station. It's the place where you connect with God and actually with others. If you want a definition, this is the definition. Humility is the abiding conviction or that ongoing frame of mind That deep, deep decision that you've made and you keep making over and over again that God sets the course to our lives, God sets the boundaries to our lives and everyone else's. That you actually have said, no longer do I think that I am my own permission giver and boundary setter. That I've actually deferred that to God and I accept that. I accept that he sets the course and the boundaries. You see, some people, even without faith, they, they accept that they have limits and that other people have their freedoms and they accept that. And to some degree, people who are without faith can be humble because they have accepted that other people have purpose and they've received that. They just don't have the kind of spirit of God and the, uh, the, the love of God to keep that balance throughout the whole lives. See, humility is the conviction to see God as the creator and as the center that, and we see our boundaries and our permissions correctly. You see, humility is like this magnet. It's, it's like this attraction magnet that draws us to God 
and to others to see our boundaries as he sees them and accept them as, as he set, accepts them. Remember Jesus, he said, he said some amazing things. And one of the amazing things, he says, I, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I, I've let him be the one who sets my boundaries. And he's the one who gives me my permissions. That's humility. When we see that God setting our boundaries and giving us our permissions is the normal way to live, we begin to see life correctly. We begin to bring things into focus. And that's why humility has been called a posture. But, but sometimes we call it that. And we don't quite know what it means. We, we think it's a kind of attitude of worship, and it is. But it, it becomes a posture when you accept that God sets your boundaries and that he gives you your permissions to what you can do. It's just some wonder why, why is God so hot on opposing the proud and, and lifting up the humble? All through the scriptures, you'll read it over and over again. There's, God says, I, I, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And, and uh, as they are... Uh, make themselves under my authority, I lift them up at the right time. He says it more than, well, several times in the Bible. And sometimes people who don't get it think, well, is God just worried about losing out, that he, that he wants us to be humble so that he, he wants to kind of keep his own throne polished and safe. But he wants us to be humble because of what it develops in us. And what it develops in us enables us to connect with him so we can hear him and live in perfect purpose with him. The first thing that it develops in us is that it develops in us a trust. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says that God says to the Israelites, I sent you into the wilderness and I gave you these tests to see what was in your heart. I sent you manna. So that you could eat it every day to keep you humble. So that you would know that every word comes from the mouth of God. So that you begin to trust me and understand that when I say things, they work out. When you're humble and you begin to say, God, can I live under what you say? You begin to hear him. You begin to trust him. The other thing that it develops in us in humility is the self sacrificing love. If you've got a Bible, I want to read to you one of the oldest passages in the New Testament. In fact, this was a kind of song that the early church sang. And it's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I wonder if you could read it with me uh, or follow along with me. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It's because humility develops this self-sacrificing love. The love that we need to connect with God and to become like him right on his inner nature. You know, if you peeled away the inner layers of God and you looked in and said, what, what's he really like? You, you would see humility. You would see this self-sacrificing love. And if we get that, then we truly operate the way that we're supposed to. So I say to you again, 
the virtue of humility is not just something nice. It's absolutely vital so that you can connect with God. So you can walk with God. So you can hear him. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, in your relationships or in your attitude with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. In other words, think continually like he thinks. Come at life the way that he comes at life. How did he do that? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming even obedient to death, even the death on a cross. I just want you to imagine this for a moment. I just want this text that we know so well and we've made choruses out of it that, we, that you kind of grasp it. That the second person of the Trinity, the one who when he speaks, planets come into existence. The, the one who, when he waves his hand, kings bow down. If you have an army against him, and he looks at your army, your army turn around and run the other way. The one who says, there's nothing here, I will speak and things will appear. That person says, I'm going to allow my boundaries and my permissions to be regulated by my father. That's humility. That's a turning it over to God that says, I trust you. You love me. You see, humility is that connector between God and us. And us and others. It it develops us. It's that virtue whereby we begin to hear what God has to say. There's an, a young king in the Old Testament. He was about 20, mid-twenties, and they were re- clearing out the temple, really, and refashioning it, and they found the book of the law. And, and when he found it, Josiah, it was read to him, and he began to tear his clothes and say, oh, no, we have stepped out of the boundaries of God. We, we have not done this right. And when he found out that the boundaries that God set, that they were way outside him, it was said this to him, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken, I have heard you, declares the Lord. You see, when you say, I accept your boundaries, I receive your permissions, you begin to hear God, and God begins to hear you. Remember our famous praying scripture in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, who have that permission and that ownership and that royalty, that they own my name, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, 
confess their sins. Tell me that they've gone outside my permissions. I'll hear them. You see, humility is that connector between you and God. The New Testament says, For by the grace given me, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather with sober judgment, with judgment that doesn't knock yourself down too much, or judgment that doesn't lift yourself up too much. The judgment that says, God, I will walk in what you have set for me. That's humility. The bottom line is, humility is the virtue that will connect you to God and actually will connect you to others. And that's why it really matters. This is, it's the chief way that we enter into his presence. It, it mirrors who he really is on the inside. Remember, Jesus called his disciples aside and, and he said, take my yoke upon you. Let some weight be on your neck and I will carry the other half. And when I go left, you go left. And when I go right, you go right. And when I stop, you stop. Come in my boundary. Submit yourself to that. But when I say go, we, we go. Even if everybody else is saying stop, I give you permissions. I give you authority to walk in. That's humility. Take my yoke upon you. And then Jesus says, learn of me. And then he reveals what he's really like. He says, because I'm gentle and humble in my heart. At the very core of me, there's humility. So if you want to be like me, if you want to connect with me, it's so important that you say, Well, this isn't just nice, Pastor Mark. I want that. I need that. So how are we going to develop that within us? Because humility is so important and it is this magnet that draws you to God, it's really important that we learn not just to say, well, is it a disposition? Can can excited people have it? Can, Can strong people have it? You know, Moses, it was said of Moses, Numbers 12, verse 3, you have a look. It says he's the most humble man on all the earth, and he led a million people. So it can't be somebody who's just anonymous. Jesus, we've just read, he's so humble. And yet, look at all of his teachings. Look at sometimes when he would talk to the Pharisees and say, woe to you. You know, so it's not just a personality type. It's It's a conviction that you'll only live where God wants you to live. It's a conviction that says other people deserve to live where God wants them to live. And I want to bless them and, and help that. So how do we develop this conviction? You know, the first thing we need to do is we need to see differently. I put my other glasses on today to make the point. But then I thought, well, that's not very humble, Mark, because... People probably don't realize you've got two pairs of glasses and you think that you're so important. So that wasn't very humble of me, was it? But I put my other glasses on today because I thought I wanted to illustrate to you that there are times if you go to an optometrist, we've got lots of optometrists in the church. Well, lots. I know of one. But you might, you have gone to an optometrist 
And do you ever, do you know, they put those glasses on you and then they put a lens in and they go, is that better or is it worse? Is it better? Is it worse? And you go, yeah, that's better. That's worse. That's better. After about 20 minutes, I don't know which is better, which is worse. I'm just struggling. My eyes are cross-eyed. I haven't been able to see for the rest of all my life anyway. So I'm going, Doc, start again and I'll concentrate this time. I think we need that. I think we can see some things, but to develop humility, I think we need to refocus. I think we need a little, it, it might even be shades. The first area is, I think we need to see power differently and authority differently. If we're going to develop humility, I think we need to refocus about authority. Any authority that you have in your job, in your life, spiritual authority, any kind of power, it's a delegated authority. It's something that's given to you. And, and the reason for it is to be there for a purpose and to serve. It's not there to enhance you. Uh, let me do, the, let me do the, the quotes thing. It's not there so that your life plan or career plan can, can just go on further. It's there to serve a purpose and to serve other people. And I think we've got to look at power and authority again if we're ever going to develop humility. Let's look at what it was said about Jesus again. Verse 6 of Philippians 2. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Power is there to serve people. Anything that you get, is you have to direct it and say, how can I serve with this? Now, authority sometimes sets boundaries for other people. It, it kind of directs other people, and that's all right, so long as it all comes from a place that you want what's best for them and to serve them. We have to refocus what we think about power, both when we have it ourselves or when we have to receive it. We have to think, what is the purpose that this is serving? And honestly ask ourselves, no, I need to go with this because it's producing something good in my life. So let's refocus. The second thing that we need to see differently is we need to see purpose differently. We need to see that life revolves around God and his plans. That actually... I know that your life's important and your family's important and the details of what you're going through is really important. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 20, 24, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How can anyone understand their own way? You won't under, understand your own way unless you refocus and say, my life needs to be should be, I want it to be, completely directed by him. It's under his plans. In fact, the New Testament says, to this end you were called, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Have you heard in Hebrews where it says, let's run the race that's marked out for us. You see, this is the, 
the whole deal about purpose is you'll have to make strong choices in your life. You're going to have to stand on your own two feet and you are going to have to work some things out yourself. But underneath all of that, we have to have the strong conviction that my purpose is not fully my choice. This is hard teaching for this culture. We love choices, don't we? We love choices. We love everything that we can say, well, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. As far as purpose goes, we have to follow the example of Jesus where he says, God, you're directing my steps. It's not fully your choice what you do. Now, don't get me wrong. When, when God directs you, you will feel full and you will have lots and lots of things that will fulfill you. But I don't want to put the caveat in. I just want to say to this, and I'm including myself in this, this consumer generation that we all are, you don't get to choose God's will for your life. He chooses it for you. And it's a good thing. It'll be a great thing. It may be a very challenging thing. It may be a, a, a thing which stretches you to the limit. And God may have things in your life that you think, I wish you wouldn't have done that. You see, we need to follow in the steps of Jesus. As it says in Hebrews 10 verse 7 about him, that he lived his life by this. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. All of history. And I'm living it out now. I have come to do your will, my God. And that's not your choice. It's his choice. I don't want you to think that we just as Christians feel like we have this predetermined plan and everything that comes into our lives we should accept. But by God's will, we have to say, God, whatever you want for me, I will walk in it. And humility will come into your life. And maybe that's just a prayer we can begin to breathe. Whatever you have for me, whatever it is, Lord, I see my purpose differently. You see, we've been taught all through our schools, all in our culture, that we have to take a hold of our lives. And much of that is good. But even in church, we've been taught that, well, it has to be on my terms. Humility says, I'm giving it over to you, God. Third lens in our glasses to create and develop humility is that we have to see other people different. We have to see that they have a purpose in God and that actually it may be our purpose to help bless their purpose and achieve their purpose. It may be that our purpose is to release the purpose of God in other people's lives. Galatians says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. That actually we begin to see that we're here to make other people richer. We're to bless people. We are here to say, I wonder if my life 
can be a boost to your life. Ephesians tells us, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to see people not just as as chess pieces to help us win our game, but we begin to say, you know what, maybe I'm here to serve you. Humility will come when you see authority differently. In fact, I have a word for the Lord for somebody. As I've been speaking, I feel like the Lord's bringing me back to point one, that actually God has given you authority that you're not walking in and that God wants to release you into the authority of your life. And I'm speaking to this side, but I want to speak to everybody, that would you receive just a word to you, that some of you are are cowed down and pushed down, and it will be a humble thing for you, instead of staying in fear, that you actually stand up and say, I will walk what you've told me to do, Lord. That's humility, even though it can be scary. You need to see power differently. You need to see purpose differently, that actually you don't get to choose it fully. And we need to see people differently. And humility will come. You see, I'm going to wrap up, but I don't want to be that that person who's, I call them the frozen emperor. You know, they're so frightened of being rejected that they, you know, that they sit stoically. It's like the emperor when in the book of Esther, you know. I mean, how weird is the Bible sometimes? Don't you agree? Like, who's sitting there on a throne and he's like, you know, unless he lifts his scepter, you have to die. What has possessed you to be like that? You have accepted a culture that is just completely destroying you. You're frozen. You know what? I've met some people a bit like that. Nope, you're not coming in unless I let you in. That gate is so shut. If Luke's could maim. I've seen some men with a television remote like that. It's like a scepter, you know. I don't want to be that way. I want to let people in. I don't want to be that sort of person that keeps telling people what I am because I'm insecure about it myself. Have you got a boss like that at work? I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. We know you're the boss. Be the boss. Just do it nicely. I don't want to be like that. You see, humility will protect me from that. I, want to be, I don't want to be that, that martyr person. You know, that suffering martyr where, oh, I'm so humble because life's so hard. Let me just say one thing to you. We think about humility and we think it means that everything's taken away from us, and sometimes it is. But have you ever read the Beatitudes? Stand with me, everyone. Have you ever read in Matthew chapter 5? Have you ever read that? Where Jesus says, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, blessed are these people. Can you remember what it says about blessed are the meek? Can anybody shout it out for me? Blessed are the meek because they will what? Inherit the what? 
You mean if I'm humble, I get the earth? Did you hear what you just said? Blessed are the meek because they get everything. I'm not sure it's quite teaching that, but this is what it means. Those people who are humble in this life will be able to receive much because they know how to handle it. Because they know the right boundaries and the right possessions. It's, not be, it's because they are the ones who know how to handle things responsibly. Because in their heart, they've got the right boundaries drawn and the right permissions given. And actually, blessed are the humble and the meek. Because after all this is over, we get everything. Can I hear an amen, church? You see, humility isn't just a nice thing for you. It will be the decider on whether or not you connect with God. And so, we're going to sing joyfully in a moment. Because I believe it's people who need to look up to God and say and declare, where does my help come from? I declare it, it's from the Lord. I'm looking up. I'm, I'm looking to Him. I'm deferring to Him. I'm saying that even though the life purpose, like Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, Lord, my life purpose ends, well, part one ends, on a hill, on a cross. And, and I don't, would really not prefer that that would happen, but it's your choice. So not my will, your will. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he could see beyond it to the full purpose of God. And that's what humility does. You know, there's a promise in the Psalms that says to the humble, he speaks to them and guides them. Psalm 25 verse 9. So I want to say to you today, don't be this person that puts humility in a corner and that says, well, that's for that type of person. It's time to connect with God. It's time to say, let's look up. Let's look up to God. Where does my help come from? Can you hear an amen choir? Amen. You know, where is it coming from? If it's not coming from God, then you're basing it on yourself. Let's get the boundary right. And let's fill our lives with this deferential to God. Amen, church? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's for Him. It's all about Him. So come on, let's look up. Come on, one more time. Let's give the Lord praise. Come on, let's look up to Him. He's your helper. 